This episode of the Beauté Industry Podcast was brought to you by Circuit Skin Australia, making skincare smarter for almost two decades. Hello and welcome to the Beauté Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauté Industry, Tamara Reid. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauté Industry. Today, my guest is Dr. Martina Lavery from Martina Dental Plus Aesthetics. Dr. Martina is the principal dentist of Martina Dental and has been a dentist for over 22 years in the Hills District. She studied dentistry in her native land of Ireland before migrating to Sydney after meeting her husband in Adelaide, where she was on a forensic dentistry scholarship at Adelaide University. Dr. Martina's meticulous nature and exacting standards results in excellent outcomes for all of her patients. You'll hear by her passion today, which shines through the conversation, that she sees it as a great privilege to work on people's teeth and takes this responsibility seriously, undergoing professional training in communication, psychology and neuropsychology so that she's better able to make her patients feel comfortable by using a caring, empathetic approach. Dr. Martina finds her greatest joy in her practicing career, which has been forming relationships with patients, which she now sees her treating third generations of families. Because of her love for cosmetic dentistry and love of five proportions, Plus Aesthetics was born. To enhance her knowledge for her patients undergoing aesthetic treatments, Dr. Martina has studied a diploma in dermal therapies and is currently studying a Master of Facial Aesthetics in the UK. In an enormous episode for you today, Martina talks about her journey from dentistry into aesthetics, shares her insights on the mouth to skin and body connection. We venture into motherhood and mindset and everything in between. And let me tell you, if you thought dentists only knew about the teeth, then this conversation is going to blow that perception right out of the water in what could be I'm calling my most favorite episode yet. Here's Dr. Martina and I for Beauté Industry. Dr. Martina, hello and welcome to the Beauté Industry podcast. Good morning and thank you for having me. Ah, The pleasure is all mine. This chat has been a long time coming because you and I are Insta friends. We have been DMing each other for a good while. And then recently I've seen you jumping on board the reels and creating so much fun in your clinic. And uh, (laughs) I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Um, I'm a very proud and inspired member of Beauty Industry. Um, I think what you and your team has created, Tamara, is absolutely valuable in the industry and was a missing link for many people. And I think, you know, during this time of COVID where there's been so much disconnect and isolation, it has felt very empowering to be part of a greater community. So hats off to you. Oh, goodness, you make me blush. Gosh, thank you. No, not at all. It's all true. Well, enough about me. I want to chat about you today. So let's take it back all the way to the beginning. What made you enter into the professional aesthetic and beauty industry? Gosh, you know, it almost seems like a different lifetime ago. Um, I actually, like many um, other people, have fallen into this world of aesthetics, actually. Um, I am very much an integrated dentist. Um, I do a lot of pain management. I do a lot of TMJ, so that's the joint um, management. And I just find that, you know, I was treating patients with pain in a, in, a, in a good way, but I had limitations to what I could offer them. And I did some research and in the studies, you know, the evidence-based literature, it came up that 
TMJ, pain and muscle spasm in the masseter muscles can actually be alleviated and improved by the use of anti-wrinkle injections. Now, you and your audience will know, you know what I'm talking about, but because of the TGA, we can't actually say the name of the drug because it's a prescription-only medicine. So for all intents and purposes, we really just call that an anti-wrinkle injection. So I went along to a few courses on that and upskilled in that area and found, you know, that I was actually having great success. Patients were feeling better um, and word of mouth spread. And I think, you know, as a dentist, my daily life is just injecting people. I spend pretty much, I would say, you know, half of the day with a needle in my hand. Mm. And um, I'm very aware of the anatomy um, I'm very risk averse by nature and um, I'm not the type of person to just dabble. I really go all in. And so when I, you know, was given the prescribing ability to um, use this drug, I then thought, you know, why not integrate that in a dental facial plan for the rest of the face? And patients were actually asking me, like, you know, you're injecting my TMJ and you're injecting my master muscle and the other muscle around the forehead, the temporalis. Why can't you just, you know, zap my crow's feet or why can't you just do my glabella? And um, I thought, OK, let's let's diversify into this. And as I said, I'm not one to dapple. Um, I like making sure that I know as much as I can. So I actually studied dermal therapy. I have a diploma in dermal therapy, not to change what I'm doing as a dentist, but to actually understand much more about the facial layers and to understand, you know, that not just an injection is going to give an amazing aesthetic result. So it was really just to support my knowledge. And then, you know, I started to do it, get great results. Um, patients, you know, were referring other patients. And I just fell in love with it. You know, I really have such a passion for facial aesthetics when it's integrated with dentistry. And it has just been an absolute joy to be on this trajectory. And I now find myself studying a master's, a postgraduate master's in facial aesthetics. So, yes, that, that's how I got into it. And um, my clinic now has been set up with the integration of dermal therapy. And um, we have very much a full face approach to our treatment planning. Now, naturally, I am a dentist first and foremost, and that comes first. But um, for patients who are interested in enhancing their facial features or, you know, do want to have their masseter treated for either pain management or jawline slimming, we can um, do that at the same time. So, yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful addition to my practicing career. and. Um, yeah, I, I don't see um, me stopping anytime soon, actually. Yes. Oh, my goodness. What a pathway. And it sounds like uh, you're very passionate, clearly, but absolutely industry, you know, where we can go from dentistry to dermal to aesthetics and just to keep on growing. You know, it's yes. always blows my mind how many different yes. pathways this industry provides. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, our career cannot be linear, mm. you know, um, I've, I'm a mom of two young boys and I think, you know, you need to be a role model for them mm. and you have to let them realize, you know, that your learning does not stop at the HSC. It doesn't stop at university. Every day is an opportunity to learn something new. And we do, you know, and even just talking to patients and uh, really getting to know them and, and maybe, you know, COVID as much as it's been horrendous, um, it's really changed the learning platform for us all. Like, look at us this morning, just connecting like this. Mm. Um, I've learned so much um, with online learning. Now, obviously, nothing, you know, compares to actually physically doing it. But learning behind the scenes with webinars, I mean, it's absolutely changed the whole arena of education. 
Yeah, you're 100% right. I want to um, touch base on your education there because what I really appreciate about you is that you've gone, okay, I understand dentistry. I can prescribe aesthetics, but what I want to do is link the two together and you've gone and studied dermal therapy, which I know a lot of people skip that step and just, you know, grab the needle and go straight into aesthetics. What made you want to go back and, and study more and do the dermals? Well, it really isn't enough mm. to inject a face because really what do we have to go back to? And as a health provider, first and foremost, I think we, we have to go back to health. Mm. So I, and this is one of the situations where I think, you know, no one notices a line on your face, but they will notice healthy, glowing skin. And I think education, empowering your patients or clients to have the healthiest skin, and whether that's from inside or topicals. Um, and then, you know, injectables is such a small part of dentifacial aesthetics. Um, and I just thought that it wasn't enough to just go along and then start injecting on a muscle layer. You know, uh, we are complex beings. You know, we have our skin, which is the outer layer, protecting, doing amazing things on a daily basis for us. And then, you know, we have the superficial fat pad. Then we have the muscle system. Then we have the deeper fat pads. Then we have the bone. So we have those five layers. And, you know, facial aging or rejuvenation, you know, you're really only able to target probably one of those areas if you're only doing injections. Um, either dermal fillers or anti-wrinkle injections. Um, and I think, you know, as a holistic practitioner, we have to address those other layers. You know, the facial aging is inevitable and how you want to do it is up to you. Um, and I think, you, you know, we come across a lot of patients who feel judged, um, whether they're judging themselves or whether actually being judged, whether it's a perception of being judged. Um, but we, we need to address the, the aging process, you know, you're going to get facial laxity, which is the jowling. You're going to get a loss of volume. And then, you know, you're also going to get surface changes. So when you only know how to pick up a needle and inject either filler to restore the volume or an injection to stop a wrinkle, you're really doing a disservice to your patients. Mm -hmm. And I think having that more... Um, integrated and full face approach and having all of the different modalities and having the knowledge of the modalities is going to optimize the patient results. And also I wanted to make sure that I was going to be a safe practitioner. Mm. We have an industry um, that is, I think probably at a crossroads, mm. um, you know, I think the model of facial aesthetics needs a lot of change. Um, and I think we probably need to have a more structured learning program to demonstrate competency and um, perhaps a framework whereby patients or clients can actually research a practitioner and say, okay, you've got five stars, you've got three ticks, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be safe with you. Like, you know, the other in other countries like the UK, I'm doing my master's in the UK. So I, I know I'm practicing in Australia, but a lot of the knowledge comes from the UK and they have different sites and they have a level seven certification. So I am well and truly beyond that level seven certification. However, in Australia, um, we're a little bit lagging with actually having a formal qualification pathway. So I think that that's something that the industry needs to address. And I think it all comes down to knowledge, education, being a safe practitioner to optimize results for our patients. They're the ones that are going to benefit from this. Absolutely. It's all about that accreditation. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more and hence why, you know, we've jumped on 
um, ABIC, Aesthetic and Beauty Industry Council, just to mm-hmm. kind of increase that regulation and to make sure that, uh, you know, everyone in our industry is doing the right thing from an industry point of view, but also for the safety of the client and also so that a client can jump onto a website and go, okay, this is rated four stars or five stars or these yes. guys are accredited bronze, platinum, gold, whatever, you know, that status is. I think that's very important that that's transparent to the client. Yes, Um, and I think it is absolutely needed and hats off to you and your team. And I'm very proud to be a member in our clinic to be affiliated with you guys. Um, And I think it's going to just benefit the public. Mm, mm. And I think also having a network where you know you can actually bounce ideas off each other and at the end of the day there are no risk free treatments yes. every treatment whether it's an injectable whether it's a filler whether it's a resurfacing treatment carries risk there are complications that go along with any intervention whether it's a medical intervention or aesthetic intervention there are going to be risks and complications and we have to get good at complication management. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I'm sitting here looking at your face on um, video. <laughs> okay, um, don't, don't be too harsh tomorrow. <laughs> Stick with me here for a moment, right? And um, as you were saying before, you know, we've got bone, muscle, fat, skin, and we know the layers and we know those layers very well as beauty and as dermal and in the aesthetics industry. But looking at your face, the teeth in that lower half really does take up quite you know, quite a good amount of space of the face. Do you think that perhaps, you know, from a beauty and dermal space, we aren't looking at the teeth or that bottom half of the face enough for our clients? Um, I think it's changing. Mm. Um, I think, you know, with uh, social media and celebrities, um, we are probably becoming a little bit more aware of the lower face. But for me, as a practicing dentist for the last 22 years, it is the first thing that I notice. Yes. I will always go to the lower face. And especially if I meet a new patient, you know, when I go to the lower face and I say, you know, what about your chin? Or, you know, have you noticed this little line here? Or do you feel, you know, that you would like to have, you know, a better sculpted jawline and it will sit within your face? They're like, oh, never thought about that before I I just thought injections were like for your cheeks and your forehead and um, I've never on your lips and I've never really thought about your lower face so I think just I am absolutely programmed to look at the lower face and um, it's definitely one of my favorite places to treat Um, I love treating the perioral complex and I think you know the perioral complex Um, peri meaning around oral being the mouth and then complex it is actually a complex area and it is a very um, high risk area to treat um, because of the anatomy and also because of your facial muscles so you know on the upper face um, if you're doing some anti-wrinkle injections and you really dose it up high or you do a lot Um, You know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your frontalis muscle, which is the muscle on your forehead, maybe won't hold up those eyebrows and you might not just have that great, you know, arched eyebrow and the patient may not be happy and not return. And, um, you know, what's the worst that can happen? But in the lower face, those muscles are needed. They are functional muscles. They're mimetic muscles. They're needed for facial movement. Mm. So we can't overdose them, firstly, we can't inject in the wrong muscle because, you know, for, say, for example, the muscle here, the depressor angliorus, which gives us a marionette line, it pulls down the corner of the lip. Um, we can really successfully treat that um, much nicer than filler, actually. Um, but we can we can do that and we can stop that muscle from happening. But the next door neighbor is a depressor muscle. And um you know, if you hit that muscle, then the patient has an asymmetric 
smile for three months for the duration of the toxin Mm. so you really have to be very careful and also you don't want to completely paralyze the activity because we want to be able to smile eat chew use a straw kiss um, and actually present your an expressive face to your family and friends and um, your work colleagues so otherwise you just start to look weird you feel weird you look weird Um, So I think you do have to be very careful in the lower face, but I think you can achieve great um, harmonization of the face um, through using the lower face as a scaffold um, to enhance the rest of the face. And I think it really is all about looking at the patient's features, trying to get them into a proportion that is balanced and um, just making sure that you're doing things that will actually complement that patient's features as opposed to doing something that will make them look odd. I think respecting anatomy and respecting a person's natural beauty is really important. I'm a very subtle practitioner. I'm a very risk-averse person and I'm very subtle in my approach. Um, And that's not for everyone. So um, you find your clients and you find where you're happy to treat. And I think you must stay true to what you believe. Mm, yes. And I, I love the word you've used there, respect. I respect the facial features, you know, because we are born a certain way. You yes. know, obviously we can tweak it or slightly enhance it. But I think, you know, a lip is a lip is a lip. You know, Absolutely. it's all the same size. We shouldn't overcomplicate what the face looks like. And I think there are a lot of practitioners out there who are over-treating. And, um, you know, I see these poor women and or, and also men as well um, nowadays walking around and they look, you know, their lips are so swollen. And I think, yes. oh, my goodness, there is so much filler in there. And I've even read uh, notes of cosmetic practitioners who say, you know, put a meal in client requested more she's going to go elsewhere if I didn't put in you know another half of meal uh you know da 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 have advised the client do not treat do not have any more you know and but I think uh there's a big addiction around more 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 and more yes. is more um yes. I've heard you speak about on your Instagram um the golden ratio and I want to touch base with you for those who don't know, what is that and, and what are those kind of principles? Tamara, it's really interesting you asked me about this because this is pure mathematics. And my dad is a maths teacher. And he said to me when I was growing up, Martina, maths is everywhere. And I just said, just tell me how to do it. I just want to pass the exam. I, mm-hmm. I really don't like maths. But look, phi um is a mathematical formulation. The golden ratio is a mathematical formulation and it actually equals 1.618. It is actually, you know, it's found everywhere in nature. So um, snails in their shell have phi ratio. So if I really just bore the audience currently and go back to actually what phi is, um, it's a special number that is 1.618 and it originates from the Fibonacci sequence which is obviously from all the Renaissance masters when they were doing all their sculptures and their works and um, technically it is when you divide a line in two parts that the longer part which is A is divided by the smaller part which is B and then that is equal to the sum of A and B together divided by A. That's how we get 1.618. So I'm sure I've lost everyone. (laughs) But how that has clinical and real life meaning is that, you know, there's never been a one size fits all approach for design. Um, But there is like this concrete mathematical approach that can help us get closer to creating amazing experiences and amazing ratios every time we do treatments and that is the golden ratio and um you know we have things that we use so i'm very much a full face approach person now whether we treat that full face that's that's up to the person 
But for me not to guide that person that what their ideal ratio of their facial features and the proportions would be would be wrong. Because if we work within that framework of the golden ratio, you will never look down. Mm -hmm. You will never look odd. You will just look enhanced. Um, we actually measure it. I, I have calipers that I use every day. And we actually use the intercampal distance. So the intercampal distance is the distance between your two eyes where you get your little sleepy dreams. So from there to the other side, that's called the intercampal distance. And that actually stays as a true static measurement. And then every other feature in the face is actually related to that measurement. So um, the intercampal distance, the nostrils of a female should be the same. That would be phi. So that would be that 1.618. Then the tip of the chin would be phi related to that. And then we work out, you know, where would be the ideal placement of the cheekbone? Where should your jawline sit? So, you know, the ideal facial um, proportion is everyone's trying to achieve that heart-shaped face. Um, and that's where the cheekbones, the zygomatic width, is actually wider than the gonial width, which is the jawline width. You know, when you actually feel your jawline there, that muscle on the edge, that should be a little bit more narrow. And um, the chin, um, if we divide up our face, we divide it into horizontal thirds, which is the forehead. Then we have the middle of the face and then we have under the nose to the chin. That's the thirds horizontally. But what's actually critical is dividing the face into vertical fifths. So we draw a line down the face and all our main features, um, our prominent features should stay within that middle fifth. So that all of the action of the face, like the lips and the nose and the chin should sit within that middle fifth. Um, and that gives us a lot of attention when we do a lip sculpt, um, we shouldn't be bringing filler out onto the corners of the lips because it's not actually natural. It's not actually respecting the natural anatomy of your lip. Um, we were born with lips. Like I think we should always be going back to origins. We need to go back to embryology. You know, in genomic paleontology, um, we actually, the lips, the lower lip develops from a different um, structure and layer than the upper lip. That's why the lower lip, interestingly, you know, you can put filler on one side of your lip and it will run right the way to the other side wow. because that's all a connected compartment. The upper lip has two very separate compartments separated in the midline by your cupid's bow. Mm -hmm. That's why when you inject on one side, it doesn't automatically flow to the other side because that is your natural embryology. So I think... Yeah. It's like anything, we must go back to origins. And actually, did you know, um, when I was doing a little bit of research for this podcast, did you know that actually teeth developed from the dermal layer? Teeth developed from, the enamel actually developed from the dermal layer, which is, you know, we were, we were born from three different layers, you know, ectodermal layer, the endoderm, and it all has come from the ectoderm. So, you know, teeth and skin are not that separated after all. If we go back all those years, let's respect our origins and um, let's, you know, stay true to what your body does. We're amazing creatures. Why do we feel like we need to, you know, make ourselves look alien-like? You know, these trends that we see now on social media, you know, fox eyes or Russian lips or devil's lips. It's just ridiculous. Mm. After the break, Dr. Martina and I explore how therapists can recognise skin conditions relating to the teeth. And I ask when and if we should be prescribing to a dentist before diving headfirst into a wealth of advice on Martina's life lessons. But first, a word from today's Beauté Partner. Community, if you are searching for a skincare brand to stock in your space, then you should look no further than Circuit Skin. The original skincare brand is back in Australia, bigger and better than ever before. With over 20 years of research and development, happy clients treating all concerns through ingredients which are considered through their earth-aware conscious ethics, Circuit Skin is a brand your retail offering and treatment menu is going to love. 
promoting professional prescriptions by skincare specialists rather than selling online, Circuit Skin is the perfect combination of results meets relaxation in their signature eye-catching yet eco-friendly packaging. To find out more about why so many therapists and clients are loving the return of Circuit Skin via distribution of InMed Aesthetics, visit www.circuitskin.com.au to take a look for yourself. Thank you so much to the team at InMed Aesthetics for making today's episode possible. And now back to Dr. Martina. And you're taking me back there as you're talking to um, a consultation I had with my dentist a few years ago where he was saying the top half or the top two thirds of the face kind of stay the same structurally, but your bottom half of the face, your jaw, which includes your lip, that moves forward and back. And obviously that contains the bottom teeth as well. So it made, it made a lot of sense that you were saying the bottom lip is completely different to the top lip because the bottom lip has to move it has to shift and allow for those teeth and that jaw to shift as well which is yeah you've, you've just right. given me that light bulb moment there yeah that's right and you know as we age we lose our you know we get atrophy in the mandible in the lower jaw mm. so we tend to get recession of the jaw and um, you know the teeth are extremely important in how the jaw um, presents because our teeth actually keep the jawbone. When we don't have teeth, we don't have a jawbone uh-huh. at the right height. So when a tooth is removed, the actual jawbone where that root of that tooth was housed recedes. So it's called resorbing. So um, having your teeth in the right position and in the best health actually will enhance your jawbone health and the strength of the jawbone actually, because when we use our teeth, when we bite together, we're actually loading your bone so that we can actually make it stronger. Uh, And that's another thing, you know, we find a lot of people who are grinding their teeth um, or clenching their teeth, the master muscle becomes really strong, but the jaw density actually increases as well. Mm. I'm a big masseter grinder. Um, so I'm, I'm very passionate about this, actually. It's something that I tend to, you know, it's it's just a normal part of my consultation. Like my, my dental consultation is has always been about the external structures as well. And I noticed when I used to work in other clinics and the nurse would go, oh, oh, what well, you do that. Oh, that's really good. Or a patient will come and they'll be a little bit um, concerned that I'm, feeling their lymph nodes or I'm feeling their jaw movement or I'm asking them to do tongue acrobatics and um, asking them to move their tongue all the way around the mouth. But actually doing an oral cancer screen inside is extremely important. I have picked up two in my career. And um, also, you know, checking for swellings in the glands and underneath the jawline and, um, you know, just checking even the thyroid sitting there. Sometimes you can feel a little nodule and that can be intercepted um, with the necessary um, referrals and getting specialists onto that. So I've always had an integrated approach. Like I think it's great, you know, that we can all do a filling. I mean, I really don't think anyone should be getting a pat on the back for doing a filling or doing a crown or doing a root canal. I mean, that is what my certificate on the wall says that I can do. Um, but for me, the true magic is actually the integration of your teeth with your overall health and your lifestyle and actually educating patients in how they can change their behavior to enhance their health. Um, I think that's where the real joy in my practicing career has been, not about doing a filling. Yes, of course, that absolutely must be done. But I think diagnosis, management of the patient and um, creating relationships, long-lasting relationships that are built on trust, integrity, and quality care are where the real joy and the magic of being a dentist is. Can you be my dentist? Please, yes. <laughs> yes, I love a holiday. <laughs> Not the first time I've been asked. I've been asked to go on a cruise with someone. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> so very cool. I know. Um, I love my patients. They're absolute, you know, I just love them. I, I really <laughs> have always, always felt it an honour 
to put my fingers in someone's mouth. I think it is the most invasive, mm. most vulnerable thing that you can do to another human being in a professional capacity. Mm. And um, my son, I mean, getting back to being a new mom, my first son was born very, very unwell. And he was in intensive care for a very long time. And it was actually touch and go for him for quite a few days. Right. And, you know, I willed him on and I said, you know, come on, stop this nonsense. We want to take you home and, you know, we want to, you know, have fun with you and see you grow up into a beautiful boy. And he listened and he took a breath and the rest is history. But I vied from that day. Um, I had been a dentist for what, maybe eight years before I had my son. Mm. And I vied from that day, you know, I just handed up this baby in intensive care full of tubes and Mm. uh, in an incubator to these professionals you know I put my absolute faith and trust in them that they would do a good job for him and for us and that they would do everything they could to keep him healthy and I changed that day when Mm. I brought that child home and when I came back from maternity leave I was a different practitioner Right, And I think, you know, there are things in your life that you go through that actually make you stronger and make you better. And that was definitely one of those lighthouse moments for me. Mm. And I always reflect upon that time that I put my absolute faith in those doctors, midwives who were amazing, actually. And um, I then find myself that that was what people were doing with me they would come to me with their child. Now, obviously it's not critical, although sometimes it actually can be. I have had patients admitted critically for cellulitis and things like that Mm. um, and have been in hospital with drains for um, chronic infections. But in those moments when someone, when a parent is asking you about the well-being of their child or their mother-in-law whose health is compromised, um, you know, I think it really... um, has made me realize that I have to do the absolute right thing every time and make the right judgment call. So I think um, doing the right thing, behaving ethically, and whether it is doing a filling or checkup or whether it is doing a full face rejuvenation for a patient, I have the same philosophy. Yes. Oh my goodness. Just you're reminding me there. Um, we had a lot of complications with our son Jackson as well. And um, I didn't get to see him until two and a half hours after the birth. And you're reminding me, you know, walking back through that um, NICU kind of area and seeing yes. him in a little incubator and then uh, watching the chiropractor and also LC lactation consultant put their hands in his mouth and like press down on the tongue and, you know, do all these types of things. It is such an invasive area and and it's kind of like when you really think about it how many people have had their hands in your mouth not many right right. anyone can touch you on the back or the arm or the leg or the head or wherever but inside that mouth it really is quite a privilege I never really thought about it that way and I really every day I really think at the end of the day wow I've put my hand in you know a lot of people's minds and it is absolutely terrifying for some people who you know say for example they're you know they feel that loss of control you're already anxious um I every day I respect what I do every day I think it's an absolute honor and privilege that someone sits in my dental chair and puts their trust in me in such an invasive way and I will carry that with me until I hang up my drill yeah that's so special or my needles or whatever (laughs) I'm gonna hang up yeah so we've talked about um the skin and the teeth Talk to me about the body and the mouth, because that's, again, something that you are so passionate about. Is there any significance here, do you think, or how do you kind of look at the two to be related? Now, Tamara, is this going to be a series of podcasts with me? Because (laughs) how long do you have on this topic? (laughs) I know. I feel like this could go, me and you could just chat. I mean, you you and I, rather. We could chat for days. This could be like a part two. Stay tuned. Um, Look, we ha- I have always believed that the mind is absolutely the gatekeeper of the body. Mm. And um, we are finding out more and more in the research um, how your mouth and, and how the health of your mouth is um, related to other diseases such as chronic diseases 
And I think it all really goes back to inflammation mm. and bacteria and the immune system. And um, part of my dermal therapies, actually, I did um, a certificate in dermal health and um, gut health. And I find that so interesting um, because how can we examine the gut without examining the mouth? Yes. I mean, that just does not make sense. We must think the gut begins with your mouth. Um, we must think about the mouth as the gatekeeper to the body, really. Um, it has such a functional role in protecting us every day. Um, and I think we should really, you know, um, just stop and think about what it does for you every day. You know, even from the physical aspect of not, you know, allowing pathogens in, and then we get into the bacteria and, and how we fight um, pathogens that come in in any way, shape or form. So I, I really have always believed that there's a great integration. And my passion is um, treating gum health as well. And there is 100% a link to the bacteria in the mouth and related to chronic diseases such as diabetes. And um, we used to think that diabetes was, um, you know, just caused just by sugar. But we do know now that bacteria in the mouth actually cause diabetic symptoms and then the other way around. So if you have diabetes, you're more likely to actually have periodontal or gum disease. And it actually is one of the screening tools that we use and usually refer patients off to the doctor to get tested. And we usually find that they come back. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's very much um, misunderstood that your oral health has such a significant impact on your overall well-being. And just one of the recent studies actually coming out of the Lancet in the UK is how our mouth, so our oral microbiome is affecting fertility. So mm -hmm. fertility rates have halved um, from 1965 to 2017 and that's predicted to continue to decline um, and so we have actually found uh, some new research and there is actually a current clinical study going on in the UK for this that it actually can affect male and female fertility Wow! and so when we have um, gum disease or we have decay in our mouth it affects the mouth bacteria. So there's a dysbiosis. Dys just meaning it's not in sync. Everything's in chaos. And this actually can affect um, the, the fertility. So they are actually trialing a probiotic mouthwash currently to rebalance the oral bacteria oh. and the gut microbiome. And um, they're finding, you know, that some of the ingredients in the probiotics, such as the biophytum bacterium biphytum and the enterococcus faecium and streptococcus thermophilus, they actually can inhibit oral bacteria such as porphyromonas gingivalis, which is one of the big ones in gum disease. Mm. And I've always, any patient who's presented with gum disease, I've always recommended that they have um, probiotics. And I think, you know, a lot of the times we talk about poo and patients think, oh, my gosh, you know, am I in the right, <laughs> am I in the right clinic? But I think having a holistic and a holistic, I, I feel like sometimes think people think holistic or oh, a hippie. It's not. It's being integrated. It's mm. being sensible and thinking beyond teeth. And, you know, they actually um, are finding that that will actually help with the local inflammation in the mouth. You know, the, there's a decrease in the interleukins, which are responsible for inflammation. Mm. And, you know, we think about even things like, you know, the sugar consumption. You know, we're, we're thinking about being healthy, overall well-being. And we know that sugar is addictive and we know that sugar will increase inflammation through glycation pathways, you know, and um glycation products um, that will deteriorate skin health but if we are thinking about sugar consumption in relation to skin we also need to think about sugar consumption and related to dental decay 
And there is a link. So I think we really should be trying to decrease inflammation. I always say to patients, you know, think about you're putting out a fire currently on fire. You really want to smolder and then you want to get into a state of remission. You want to increase the the um, the body's ability to heal itself. And it can't do that when it's inflamed and hot. Mm. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm telling lots of different stories today about my um, baby son, but you just (laughs) reminded me again that um, when we were in the hospital, as I said, there were lots of complications with his birth and both he and I were given antibiotics the second he came out. Yes. Of course, for a baby, you know, that's dire straits because they're supposed to open their mouth as they come out of the birth canal. And that's when they take in all of the good bacteria. But if you're giving antibiotics to a baby, obviously, that just is kind of redundant right but the nurse said to me they did a bacterial swab inside of my mouth and said to me you've got a lot of good bacteria and we can tell by the health of your teeth that actually and and this might be um, gross for some uh, so if if you're a bit grossed out um, sorry in advance but they said when he starts eating at about six months old you can do what's called kiss feeding So basically you chew the food in your mouth and then you kiss like a bird would into the baby's mouth. And while you're chewing all your saliva, which is that good bacteria is going to go into your baby's mouth. And then that's going to strengthen up his gut and give him the good microbes. And I was like, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. that's disgusting. eh? But the more I've looked into it, I'm seeing so many positive reviews about, you know, increasing the good bacteria into him, helping with the tummy, decreasing the inflammation, all just through the mouth, which is just so fascinating. Absolutely. Um, It's just, it's so interesting. And, you know, as a mum, okay, getting back to your first point, you know, mother's guilt is just always there, right? From yeah. the get-go. Yeah. Like even when the baby's not even born, you're guilty. Yes. <laughs> what have we done, you know, during pregnancy? And, and you know, I am a mum. I am a mm. dentist. I am a special sex practitioner. But I am a mum as well. Mm. And um, mother's guilt is just always there, regardless of what you do. So, you know, feeling guilty, you know, that he's having antibiotics. Like, you know, my oldest son, he he's going to be mortified, actually, when talking about this, because he's a teenager <laughs> now. But... Like he was pumped, and I mean pumped, full of antibiotics. Yeah. And I'm standing there as a dentist and as a mum, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, his six-year molars are going to be shot to pieces because that gentamicin is going to give him enamel hyperplasia, which is like when the enamel doesn't form. Mm. And then my mother hat on, like, oh, I really hope you know that you're going to get well and keep going. And yeah, you know, like, so we can't win. And um, mm. there is a lot of research actually going into that kiss technique, mm. and um, and it works for someone who's healthy like you. And you've obviously maintained your oral health, and you've done a great job of that, and you've really got a good, healthy microbiome in your mm. mouth. But actually the reverse can happen as well. So we have actually found that um, people who have gum disease, who Mm. have been clinically diagnosed with the bacteria related to gum disease, their children are much, much more likely to exhibit signs of gingivitis and gum disease Mm. um, in their early life. Um, because of the transfer of bacteria. So I think we have to think of bacteria. Perhaps COVID has made us very aware of transmission of bacteria. Mm, But, you know, every day, I just see, I'm just programmed to think about bacteria. Mm. And when I'm looking at someone's gums, I'm actually thinking about how does that look under a microscope? How does that look under, you know, um, how would that be? And We find that um, if I say to someone, you know, this plaque that you have in your mouth, if I put it under a microscope, you know, it's moving, you know, I can see creepy crawlies in it. And they're like, what? Mm. So I think we have to think of some of your mouth and the plaque and the bacteria being alive Mm. and and thinking about it from a microscopic point of view. And just before we digress onto this, onto another topic, um, I find it fascinating that a recent study has actually showed that where you were pointing before, Tamara, um, into where you would sample the bacteria from your own mouth, from the cheek and the tongue, Mm. that family of bacteria, that microbiome, actually is different 
to the bacteria that you would find on your gum line where you have plaque. So even our body in the same environment, but on two different separate structures, like a tongue or a cheek, Mm -hmm. can have a different family or colony of bacteria. Um, You know, and obviously there are good bacteria, but the bacteria on the plaque and on the gum that's inflamed is the Mm -hmm. bad bacteria. And what we're trying to do is optimize the good bacteria. Oh my goodness. I want to be a dentist. This is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back to skin for a second because you were talking before about inflammation and, you know, advanced glycation end products and, you know, obviously wrinkles and creases that we see on the skin. Do you think there's ever an opportunity or an open and, and is it even feasible that a therapist could look at the skin and may refer onto a dentist or, you know, may suggest that a client uh, see somebody like yourself? I do. I think a therapist who has uh, an integrated approach would absolutely be thinking that way um, to optimize the, the outcome of the intervention that they're going to use to help the client get healthier skin um you know so we have so many um you know as i said you know the the enamel of the tooth originated in the dermal layer and um you know we can have a a patient who has um presented to a dermal therapist who has acne and then we find that actually the oral cavity so the brushing is not good Mm. and then we get this cross contamination of bacteria And, you know, when we may find that that person gets supplemented, perhaps by probiotics, prebiotics, zinc, vitamin B5, we find actually that that can actually help the gum as well. So, and, you know, there are lots of conditions. I mean, obviously there is that crossover with the dermal therapist, dermal clinician and dermatologist. Um, But I think if we have a good team, really thinking outside the box and trying to manage the patient to get optimal results, Um, particularly like a condition like acne, um, you know, eczema, Um, we can't find that these are all at the root of inflammation and oxidation. And, you know, all of the stressors on the body where the the cells are not functioning optimally. So, and and also, you know, you can have aging through glycation. Um, If you're seeing that on the skin, I mean, that has a very typical presentation. Um, that's just toxic. You know, the body is just toxic when it's sitting like that. So you will find that there will be a toxic link with the gums as well. And if you've got increased sugar consumption, then perhaps there will be a decay risk. So I think, you know, there is always scope to have a multidisciplinary approach. And I think at the end of the day, we must always have the end goal for the patient or the client as our priority. Um, And I think, you know, having the ability to step back and say, this is not my domain, and you would be better seeing, you know, one of the referrers or, you know, taking the ego, I guess, out Mm. of the situation and really making sure that the pinnacle of your focus is actually going to be the patient. Uh, And that's really how I think you grow um, yourself, you grow yourself by acknowledging your limitations and your strengths, but also you grow in trust with those patients as well, because they understand that you have their best interests at heart. And that's always where I come from. That will always be my practicing philosophy. Mm. And, um, you know, I I guess, yes, it's all just really about um, the skin is related, skin health, the external presentation is related to the internal, what's going on. And that's the same with your mouth health as well. And I think, you know, we don't appreciate that our skin is an organ. It's a functioning organ. It's a very Mm. large organ. And um, what affects its health can affect other systems in the body as well. Can you imagine thinking back to Dr. Martina prior to even being called Dr. Martina, studying uh, for dental, that this is where your pathway and your trajectory would actually land you I mean it feels like you've come such a long way since being a dentist and you really take that integrated approach could you have ever foreseen that this is where your industry will you would land in the industry 
No, it's, it's just amazing the trajectory of my career. Um, you know, I my parents sacrificed a lot to send me to university, but I was surrounded by books. Both my parents were teachers. My mom worked in a preschool that she had her own business, very hardworking, instilled a really good work ethic in me. And I was always a good student. I was just a science nerd. And I always knew that I wanted to do something in science. So I actually started doing medicine, actually. Mm. And then I worked in a, I had to um, work, you know, to earn some money. And I worked in a palliative care unit, which is probably not the best idea, but it, it did change my idea about doing medicine. I thought, no, that's not for me. Mm. Um, but here I am, you know, 22 years on in a different country. I came to Australia actually on a scholarship. Um, the top three students got a scholarship to do an uh, area of interest. And I was really interested in forensics. I mean, I obviously watched way too much of the bill back in the UK <laughs> and thought here, I'm going to be, you know, the next um, forensic dentist. Um, and I went along and I went to Adelaide um, and I was under Dr. Jane Taylor and Prof. Brown, which was an amazing experience. Um, pretty grueling, actually, um, what we saw, but it was such an interesting experience. And that's actually where I met my husband. And then we went back to the UK and worked there for a few years. And then I thought I'd come to Sydney, you know, try it for a year, see how I go. And I was used to working in the National Health Service. So being very, very busy, multitasking, you know, we had three or four rooms going at one time. Mm. Um, and the dentistry was very different to what it is here. And, um, you know, now I sit back and I think, you know, hard work and having a desire to have as much knowledge as you can um you know anything is possible I mean I, I grew up in a small small fishing town in Ireland I had 35 people in my primary school it had two classrooms wow. and I think you know we are the the masters of our own destiny if you want to learn and I think you know education can change the world it is a very very powerful tool um, I love acquiring knowledge. I mean, I'm in the middle of this master's at the moment, knee deep in research. I'm really um, very, very pro learning as much as you can. And I think you have to dig deep some days and you really have to believe in yourself. And I think my motto at the moment is everything does get done. You know, I used, I am a very organized person and I am a very efficient person, but I'm the type of person that I'm very organized. I'm not a, a deadline person. I'm always ticking the boxes, you know, way weeks in advance, but that's not how it is anymore. Hmm. And I've made peace with that because I can't juggle all these hats and wear all of these hats and be organized at everything. You know, if I'm in the middle of a master's submission, which I am currently, I can't be making a five course meal. Mm. And it's really um, quantity rather than quality right now in my house with teenage boys, <laughs> but you can't do it all. You mm. have to prioritize and you actually have to cut yourself some slack and you actually have to just give yourself a pat on the back and acknowledge that you're doing a good job and that nothing is perfect and that as long as you are um, striving to do your best um, you can do anything I think mindset is really everything and uh, you can achieve great things and I, I hope you know that I am remaining humble I hope that I um appreciate I, I do appreciate actually all the gifts that have been given to me and you know I, I'm not a hippie by any means um, but I do practice gratitude I think gratitude mm. is one of the most underrated philosophies and practices just being grateful to sit here in a lovely home with technology to be healthy to have two children that have gone to school, to have a clinic that's fully booked out, to have a beautiful team. I mean, I think we need to change our mindset. And I think, you know, what is it they say? Nothing is impossible because even possible is in the word impossible. I mean, that's a bit cheesy, but I think we must do that. And we must 
also ask for help when we need it. Yes. I think we must allow ourselves to be vulnerable. And I think being vulnerable, we can be, you know, we can actually really be authentic. And that's where I would say to my younger self that it's actually okay to not know it all. And it's actually okay to ask for help when you need it. And in doing so, you will grow and you will grow in, in success in your own ability. Success means thing, many different things to different people. But I think, you know, success um, comes from working hard and having that inner feeling that you've done a good job. And whatever that is, whatever you're working on, be all in, be fully committed to that. And I think anything that you put your mind to, you can achieve it. Even if you think it's a huge mountain to climb, you can do it. And I think, you know, everyone goes through tough times. I mean, we look at what's happening to our colleagues in Melbourne and all around the world. Mm. It's a hellish time. And I think, you know, it's all about trying to think about um, being in the right mindset and trying to have this focus of being able to overcome adversity. I think, you know, when I developed and started my clinic, you know, I had this very naive approach where I thought, you know, everything's going to be wonderful. And I'm, I'm not afraid of hard work. I'm happy to work hard. I am very hardworking. Mm. Um, but I think what we, what my best um, advice I would say to my younger self is that, Every day you're going to have a problem. Mm. Now, whether that problem is small or whether it's big and more significant, you need to become a good problem solver because every day is going to be a problem and it's just how you're going to manage that. And I think if you can get in that mindset rather than freaking out about things, just have an actionable plan and be a problem solver and support yourself with good mentors support yourself with people who actually want to see you succeed, who can support you. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, be true to you, do the right thing. And um, you, you will find your own niche in this industry. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. You've given me goosebumps there. I was going to ask you um, about some lessons that you've learned, but you've just hit us with gratitude and vulnerability and authenticity and asking for help and mindset mindset and success all in that one answer. So I feel like you've just shared so many life lessons and um, lots of little tidbits and magic for our audience. But um, did you have anything else that, you know, if somebody is listening today, uh, you know, you might just want to leave them with one little golden nugget of information? Look, I think it would be absolutely remiss of me not to mention team and people. Mm. So I think cherish your people. Um, when you find good people, hold on tight to them like glue and do everything you can to support them. And also, you know, don't be afraid to separate yourself from people who do not have your best interests at heart. Mm. Um, toxic relationships are not healthy. And that can go um, from mentoring to a team member to clients. Um, I think that that's really important to um, identify who is good for you, who is not, and manage that appropriately. Absolutely. I told um, my husband that just yesterday. It's that you are the average sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So if there is somebody in that five that is pulling you down, then your average is also going down with that. So make sure you surround yourself with people who are more knowledgeable, who are more inspiring, who have a stronger mindset than you so that they can lift your average. Absolutely. And never, ever doubt the impact that you can have upon someone. Mm. Um, you can be inspiring someone like you, Tamara. I mean, you're inspiring thousands of people um, throughout your platform on a daily basis. And you probably are so humble and so, um, you know, uh, you're so humble that you wouldn't even be realizing it. And, you know, you can have such an impact on someone's day or life by just even being kind. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I you. see anxiety through the roof. I mean, 
Um, the the day-to-day -day manifestation in my clinic of mental health disorders through presenting with facial pain, clenching, grinding. I would say like when we've been running the stats, because I'm doing a presentation later on in the year and we've been running the stats and we've actually seen this year alone, it's up by 76% mm. the patients presenting with pain. So, you know, I know I'm digressing, but I think just being kind, yeah. treat people with kindness. They won't forget it. I mean, I think probably... I've talked enough and you probably need to get back to your beautiful son. But I, I would like to finish on this quote that I used to guide me. And it is by the beautiful Maya Angelou. Mm. And it is, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm. And I hope that when people interact with me, whether it be in my clinic or whether it be through mentoring or training um, or through, you know, my education with my colleagues, I hope that they go away feeling better than when they came. Absolutely. I can tell you already do that just by this podcast episode. So thank, thank you, you so much for um, for being an absolute delight to speak to and for spending your very busy schedule um, and some time with us this morning. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Tamara. I really appreciate it too. And I hope that, you know, it's been enjoyable for your beautiful uh, members to listen to. Well, what a conversation. Were you as interested in teeth as I was? Honestly, who knew? And who knew these little toothy pegs could have such an impact on the body and on the skin? It truly goes to show that when we are treating clients, we really need to look at the entire person, including the mouth. I think I'm as inspired as ever to go out and smash this week, starting off a Monday like this, and I hope you are too. This was Dr. Martina's very first podcast recording ever, and she did such a brilliant job. So please go and tell her how much you love the episode by sharing it on your socials or with a friend. And be sure to tag at Dr. Underscore Martina Underscore Lavery, as well as her business page at Plus Underscore Aesthetics. And us, of course, so that we can see you too at Beauté Industry. We would love to continue the conversation on dentistry and aesthetics in our Facebook community. So please come and join us over in our closed group or check out our digital magazine, which is released every month over on the Beauté Industry website, which you can find by swiping up and clicking through to the show notes. Appreciate you, your ears and your time. Until next time, stay connected.